Hi, this is Ronnie Ann Ryan, intuitive coach, and welcome to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. In this show, we'll talk about mystical methods, spiritual practices, and magic to grow spiritually, live well, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, connect with spirit, and embrace the magic that is all around you. To learn more about intuitive coaching with me or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate it or write a review and subscribe and share it with a friend. May good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. And now, on with the show! Do you have a big decision that you're struggling with? Or do you have trouble making decisions? Or maybe you just want confirmation that you're headed in the right direction and made the right choice. Well, I've created a special gift for you called How to Ask the Universe for a Sign. In this free half-hour audio program, you're going to learn exactly how to ask the question, how to set everything up so that you can get an answer within 24 hours and finally know one way or another what you should be doing about a particular situation. This has worked so well for me. I'm happy to share it with you. To listen, just go to it's never too late up is slash sign. So that's N-E-V-E-R-T-O-O-L-A-T-E dot B-I-Z slash S like in Sam I-G-N. It's a simple tool to use that offers amazing and wonderful results. In this episode of the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast, I'm speaking with Michelle Sarah, author of The 7-Minute Shift. She's a certified freedom formula facilitator and certified happiness coach. She's also the founder of Elevated Mind, a company focused on helping people manifest their greatest self and highest potential. In addition to writing the book, Michelle has spent over 15 years as a copywriter and marketer. Her work in the online marketing space has helped many seven, eight, and nine-figure entrepreneurs excel. Her words have made an impact on millions of people generating millions of dollars. So I just want to pull one other really cool detail out, which is she raced dragon boats off the coast of Naha, Japan. So we're going to have to find out more about that. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Not that I don't get to talk to you because I'm working with Michelle. She's my coach. Michelle just has so much great insight to offer. I thought, oh, this would be really fun. Let's get her on the show and see (laughs) what kind of conversation we can get into. Let's start with racing dragon boats. (laughs) Yeah. What does that mean? Well, in in Japan, the dragon boats are these two-ton wooden boats and they have, you know, like the dragon head down the front and and it is a, a competitive sport. I raced with a team of 32 women and we have oars and we paddle and move this two-ton boat through the ocean. There is a race that's done every year in Naha, Japan, in the downtown area, just right off the, I mean, in the ocean, obviously, but you're not going really far out. You're pretty close in. Okay. It's a very short race because, believe me, you can't go for very long. Like you're paddling for your life, right? You're paddling so very fast and it is uh, super intense and you have to take the boat down and then turn it around, which is in and of itself, that's a huge 
challenge and then you know back to the finish line and so we raced against many different groups of women obviously but I remember one of my fondest memories is when we won the race the high five that we got from the the Okinawan women's team which were the pink panties and that was just great. It was just one of those fabulous moments of victory and excitement and also just camaraderie of, of being in the competition together. But all that aside, like racing dragon boats is really, really hard. <laughs> you know, well, how did Usually. you end up in Japan racing dragon boats? Well, my husband at the time was military, so we oh. were stationed there. Just talking with one person after another, I got connected with someone who was like, hey, do you want to try out for this team? And I did. And then you know, we began the arduous task of practicing, which was far more than I ever could have imagined. But you think, so you're going to paddle a boat. No problem, right? Like I can do that. (laughs) But it's so much more than that. You're essentially doing like an ab crunch over and over and over again the whole time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because you've got the oar and you're going all the way forward, right? To be able to dig in your oar and coming back up. Yeah. So it was months and months of practicing on a dock first And then we went out on these like inflatables, these, you know, with little engines on the back of the ocean. And then, and that's a whole different thing because you're out on the water. The day of our race, we had some pretty rough seas. And so that's another, you know, thing that, that works against you, but it was all fun and such a unique experience. Yes. Very unique experience. Wow. Okay. So let's go and talk about your main thing. This is what I know you from is the seven minute shift. Yes. Talk to me about how you came up with the seven minute shift and what are we shifting? Yeah. Yeah. So the seven minute shift came about because, you know, going back to the point at which I began to pivot my work more towards mindset, I still obviously do incorporate marketing work in what I do, but I saw because of coaching over 900 people in marketing strategies, and I could see that such a small percentage were actually getting the results they wanted. And it wasn't because the marketing didn't work, there was something else going on. And once I began to dig down and really pick up on that pattern of what was happening, which was so, so internal for each person, right? That's when I said, you know, I really want to go into this mindset work and also bringing in the manifesting side, which is so very personal to me because I know that that's what's really going on for most people. That's really what's keeping them from reaching their goals. So when I started doing that work, initially, one of the biggest tools that I was using is being able to basically meditate, right? Sitting down for a period of time to quiet the mind and tap into the knowing, right? And the calm and the part of your brain from a logical standpoint that you need to act from when you are making decisions in your business. And the thing is, is, I mean, I've been meditating regularly for 20 years or more. Wow. Good. When you're, I learned meditation from the last Maharishi's personal medical doctor, he was a family friend. It was a, a synchronicity, right? He was coming to visit and he was, hey, would you like me to teach you this, you know? And so that began that journey. In that process of, of bringing this to clients, the, the, the biggest pushback that I got was, well, there were a couple of things is I don't have time to do this. It's not easy for me. I can't quiet my mind, right? 
Yeah. And I actually did learn, like, while yes, you can learn to quiet your mind and you can learn to meditate more effectively. There are some people who do better by moving. They can get the same experience by moving. It's a meditative experience for them. So in all of those kind of ahas, I said, you know what, I really need to kind of condense what I want them to experience down into something that's quick. And you can still come away with feeling a difference immediately. And I also wanted to incorporate some of the manifestation practices, right? And so that's how the seven minute shift came about. What are we shifting again? We're shifting state of mind. State of mind. Yes. Because when you make shifting your state of mind, elevating your state of mind, when you make that your one and only job, everything else follows. And that's the really the basis of manifesting too. But even just from a business standpoint, if we're looking at it solely from, say, someone who isn't following manifestation practices, where the attention goes, the energy goes, right? When you can move past the negative thoughts and beliefs or resistance or struggle that you're having with getting anything done in your business or making any decisions, then you can reach your goal a whole lot faster. Okay, excellent. And that's certainly what I was hoping to get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I worked a lot with your book. I totally loved it. So what do you think makes the most difference when you work with clients? What's one thing that really makes a big difference? Mm, That's a good question. The biggest thing in my experience so far has been that most of our, what's holding us back, right? It's the thing when we, when we can't seem to put ourselves out there or we can't get the, the things that we know we need to get done. We can't get them done. We can't seem to make any, any significant progress or build any momentum, It's because we have these perspectives. We make these assumptions and it can be from past experiences, right? Or it can be just because of what we hear and see from everyone else because we're so inundated with social media and we have these perspectives that are not always accurate. They're not always true. Or if they are true, there is a multitude of other perspectives that are also true we get hung up on this perspective, right? And so we don't do something because we think we know what the outcome is, or if it's something about self, something that we believe about ourself, it's the thing that holds us back. And so in shifting those perspectives, I think that is the thing that makes the biggest and even, and often even the fastest impact. I'll just reveal that for me, I'm working on fear Getting past the fear. So any fear that makes me procrastinate, dilly-dally, as I would say. So that's one thing we're doing is finding ways to face the fear. So I'm good at doing it with my dreams. I'll just tell them one of the dreams I had was I was inside the house and a vicious dog was somehow getting in and then a lion was getting in and I was panic-stricken. So somehow I managed to get myself out the door while they were coming in and closed the door behind me. So they couldn't get me because they were in the house and I was out. But then I was outside the front of my house in broad daylight in my nightgown in my dream. So then I thought of, all right, well, what am I going to do about this? When I woke up, I was like that. I was, my heart was pounding. I was really scared. It's amazing what yeah. you are like, you know, oh, it's so, so intense. I thought, all right, well, I'm going to go and roar at the lion and scare the lion. In my <laughs> mind, you know, I, in my head, I went back into the dream and uh, in my imagination and I roared at the lion. So as I told my husband this, he goes, oh, I want to hear your roar. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> all right. It sounds like a cat. Shut up. Anyway. Um, <laughs> 
And then I had the next idea, which was maybe it would be better if I made friends with a lion than just try to scare him. So mm -hmm. in doing that kind of work, I have noticed that sometimes my first instinct is a step, but sometimes you need two or three mm -hmm. tries. It takes time for your brain to go, all right, what might be better? And that's a really good question when I do this kind of stuff, because I scared the lion and, you know, I mean, it is my imagination. So I said right. scared the lion, but is that really the best outcome? No, it'd be, what if I had the lion as my friend? And then what kind of courage could I gain from having a lion friend? So exactly. So that is one way to create a shift. And I can tell you that just immediately ended any leftover fear from the dream. It just completely mm -hmm. neutralized. Exactly. And that's a, just as you said, it's that questioning process that you went through with yourself that is so very important because we don't do that in day to day life when something, let's say around your business, like there's, you know, maybe it's a visibility issue, right? Like, which was a huge one for me, get really afraid to get out there and be visible. And so you don't even explore that, right? You don't even question it. You just are. You just are afraid and you resist it and you just keep pushing it off to the side. You don't look at it. And so that questioning process is so very important because often, like you said, you know, it can make a pretty quick transformation. It may take a few times, but once you, you train yourself to start questioning these things, you can actually see something for what it is. And, you know, fear isn't like I've had somebody recently say, well, in talking with her about this similar topic, and she said, but I'm not a fearful person. You know, I've I've run marathons, I've done this, 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 and this. And it's like, right. doing the work around fear isn't to say that you're a fearful person. We all have fears, right? right. Whether it's right. fear of losing control, whether it's fear of being visible, fear of being judged, fear, fear of missing out. <laughs> fear of missing out FOMO, right? That's a big yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, you take it for what it is, but it's important work to do because otherwise you're not looking at the things that are keeping you from the what you want to experience. Part of your bio that I didn't read said how you grew up in the backwoods and waters of Georgia swimming with gators. Interesting. Yeah, how yeah. does that contribute to who you are today? Mm, that's a really great question. The things that I remember most about being out in the middle of nowhere in Georgia that I think are part of what contributes to me today and what I in the work that I do is I spent a lot of time contemplating like I would climb trees and hang out in the trees. I didn't live in a neighborhood where there were other children, right? It was just me. Wow. Out acres and acres and acres and acres and woods and animals, you know. I spent a lot of time thinking, a lot of time contemplating and a lot of time in nature, gators included. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been the contemplator, right? I've always been the, the person who is very sensitive to what other people are feeling. And in some ways, while that was like a really cool thing and a great experience, in some ways, it also kind of shielded me from the world that then later, as I entered, I definitely developed a lot of fears, right? And so I think it's it's all it's all interconnected in why you have these kinds of experiences because it it leads you to experience the contrast that then leads you to, to the work that you do, right? Mm. Yeah. But what happened to that southern accent? I don't hear any of that southern charm going on there, girl. Remember in my book the story of I tell about going to the airport in Boston. I used to have a very thick southern accent and it does come out a little bit here and there now <laughs> that I'm in North Carolina <laughs> and I can remember being made fun of as a child for having 
such a heavy Southern accent. And then fast forward, I was taking a, a taxi to the airport in Boston and the taxi driver was sparking up a conversation. We were talking about different things. And he said, you know, he asked me where I was from. And I said, I'm from Georgia. And he said, wow, you actually sound half intelligent. And I remember. <laughs> wow, yes. what a thing to say as he was right? packing his con, having yes. <laughs> exactly. That moment, I remember, like, because it was the, one of my own lessons at that point in time, and that I was really working through was being concerned that because of my accent, that people would not consider me to be intelligent, right? I had to really work on that. But part of what I did, and then of course, moving around the US and outside of the US, um, I did work on losing my accent in my very early years, um, young adult years, you know, but part of the reason is also just from moving so many and living so many different places. So yes. what do you consider to be your kind of magic when it comes to looking at things from mindset or from a spiritual perspective or mm. using your intuition where what's your kind of magic yeah i like that my kind of magic let's say like from a manifesting perspective i've had some incredible experiences in my life and things that i've manifested and i do believe strongly that we are creatures that manifest that's what we are right that you can't escape that uh, I can look at it from a scientific perspective and say from something as deeply into physics as biocentric design, which these guys that talk about this are not supporters of manifesting. So I don't want to mix okay. that for them. But for me, like I look at that, the idea that we that life is the center of the, of the universe, life does determine its reality, optimal experience and survival. So I look at it from that perspective and say, yes, we manifest, we determine our reality, we determine our experiences. I come back to the spiritual side. And I know that I look at it as consciousness, I come from, I am that which is consciousness, right? I am this small speck of all that is, whether you call that God, or you call it the universe, or the goddess, or whatever, that's what I am, I am an expression of that consciousness. So being an expression of that consciousness, I possess all the same abilities and attributes, right, as, as consciousness. I can manifest, I can experience, choose and influence what I experience in this reality. Now, we are in a physical world, so that doesn't mean, because obviously if we could simply close our eyes and manifest everything we desired, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation, right? We wouldn't be in a physical earth probably. Um, I don't know. I might be in the Caribbean. <laughs> yes, That's what I'm saying. We wouldn't be here, right? Like, wouldn't be here. I kind of, I have both this very like logical mind, but this also very, like I've said before, this contemplative mind where I have no doubt at all that I am this piece of consciousness, this expression. You know, I believe that we are all simply an expression of this consciousness. And, and as that consciousness, I am experiencing different aspects of self, whether that's you, whether that's the person at the, at the coffee shop today, it doesn't matter. You know, I think of it as I have this visual all the time of this, like this blanket and you see these little, like, this sounds strange, but these little like bumps that pop up under the blanket, right? The blanket is consciousness and we're all these little bumps. We're still all from the same thing, right? The same field. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so, yeah, like that's a very long and deep conversation I can have, but there's, that's like the gist of it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, great. Yeah. Well, tell me a little about happiness coaching and um, can you make me happy now, please? <laughs> <Of course laughs> <I could. laughs> 
<laughs> I wish I could. Although, you know, I'll take that back though, because if I could, you wouldn't actually, you wouldn't even know that you were experiencing happiness because you wouldn't have the contrast, right? Like the biggest thing in happiness coaching is understanding that happiness doesn't exist without sadness. There is, you couldn't have happiness without the opposite. You wouldn't know that that's what it was, right? And right. the big thing too is people not understanding, especially in this day and age, not understanding what happiness really is, right? Happiness isn't all about feeling positive. So we think that the things that make us feel positive, getting the things that make us feel positive is what gives us happiness and it's far from it. You know, for example, just as like with goals and, and growing a business and achieving a certain uh, goal within your business, there's been plenty of studies done to, to show that it isn't achieving the goal that, while that might be a short-term burst of, of, of positive feelings, it isn't achieving the goal that gives us the happiness, it's the pursuit of it. And so if you think about that in life, it's like when you are without something to pursue, then you are without purpose, right? And you are reaching for happiness in every direction. So it's a fascinating topic. Like people will often think when they when they hear, you know, happiness coach and that it's this lighthearted kind of frivolous thing. And it's actually pretty deep, deep topic and and not pretty complex, you know, but it's absolutely worth understanding and pursuing. Mm. Well, I kind of look at it like having a conversation and laughing with my girlfriends or, you know, I texted a friend last night about this big thing that happened to me yesterday. It was a little earth shaking. And I said to her, when it dinks like a dead fish, it is a dead fish. So she sent me this gift of this guy being hit in the face with this like two and a half foot long fish. And I was hysterical, you oh know, my gosh, that yeah, made me yeah. happy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that was really yes. funny. Well, that's just it. It's like, there's one of my mentors and, and professor in this happiness studies, uh, year long program that I'm in Dr. Tal Ben Shahar. And he, he says, you cannot, you can't pursue happiness directly. It's kind of like, you can't look directly at the sun, right? You have to, you have to go at it um, from different angles. And by in happiness, we do that by different areas of our life. And so what you were just sharing, like that's, you know, relational with the, the relationship you have with your friends and that, that laughter you're able to share, you know, that's one aspect of happiness, right? And it's important that we develop out all of those different areas. So that's how we attain happiness. Mm. Another thing that makes me really happy is when I've done like a really good intuitive reading for somebody. Mm, yeah. Oh my, I like, first of all, just being in that energy is so spectacular. But yes. then when they're happy and they like it and like, I got the most amazing email from this woman. I gave her a reading on Sunday and <laughs> it was really funny because she wanted an Akashic reading about dating. And really, I just had to turn the dating coach on because the Akashic records, like she had this idea that she could pinpoint that she should be in Chicago in 2025 in October. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. no, it doesn't work that way. So, right, right. Yeah, and yeah. Then I had to explain to her, she was talking about some guy she had three dates with and he disappeared. And I explained to her what was going on with that. And, you know, and I did some intuitive stuff too. So she wrote the nicest note about how she was so grateful for everything I did. And I gave her a couple of books and she went online and bought a few more. Yay. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, how it was really helpful. And she thought I was so compassionate. 
Okay, that made me really happy because I had put myself out there and I really gave her everything I could give her. Yes. And she appreciated it because not everyone does. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing about when you're doing the work that you're meant to do, right? It's deeply fulfilling. That's why we go after it because we're lacking this level of fulfillment, right? We want, and part of that is, and for many of us is, that we're energized by other people's transformations. And so that's deeply fulfilling, right? So being able to do that certainly creates happiness and witnessing someone else experience happiness. Yeah. That it spreads. What makes you happy? What kind of things? Mm, I love being out here in the middle of nowhere. Like I still live (laughs) loosely, like, you know, in the peace and quiet because I can sit in the silence and it's just like a deep sigh. Like it just makes me so incredibly happy. Oh, nice. Of course, the relationships I have, my children, my dogs, my partner, you know, make I have, they don't, we say they make me happy. And in truth, they don't make me happy. I feel happy because of the experiences I have with them. Right. Right. Ben and Jerry sometimes make oh, me yeah. happy. Oh yeah. Oh, for know? sure. I try Fish not food. to. <laughs> No, for me, it's Cherry Garcia. So. Oh, Cherry Garcia. Okay, very good. That's a good one too. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite. But the one of the things that, and especially in this past year that I have really begun to lean into is is experiencing everyday things as, as a spiritual experience. Ooh. And meaning even when I'm doing work around the house or I'm like last night starting a fire in the wood stove, being able to to be very mindful it would be I guess you could liken it to being mindful but finding the happiness in that like when I successfully get the fire to start right or the logs are burning and really start to take off and I can and the fan comes on and I can feel the heat and just how incredible that is like I'm a big proponent of and like every night before I go to bed I go through or as I'm lying in bed I go through isn't it wonderful that, you know, isn't it wonderful that I have this warm wood stove? Isn't it wonderful that I got lots of puppy kisses today for no reason, right? Like, isn't it (laughs) wonderful? And I feel it like, cause that's really the key to manifesting too, but it's also the key to fully developing those elements of your life that I briefly spoke about earlier and experiencing that long-term happiness and being able to feel it. And so then that means at any moment in time, I can call on this deep feeling of happiness and appreciation and Mm -hmm. that makes everything a spiritual experience. Yeah. It always fascinates me to think that our minds can't tell the difference between something happening now in our reality and something in a memory or a dream or imagination. It cannot distinguish between all those things. It can be really helpful to have happy fantasies, you know, or absolutely, yeah, or absolutely. you know, happy memories or whatever, because it's still when you feel that it still brings it into the present moment. Yes, exactly, and that's like you know, in again in the book when I talk about the point at which I was going through a divorce and I was working, you know, at a box chain store and just really, really burned out and miserable and super stressed. I was also being stalked at the time. My life had been threatened and. Mm that was literally what I did was I said, 
I mean, just on the, sitting on the sofa at like 11 o'clock at night, just crying my eyes out. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to close my eyes and imagine this peaceful mountain valley land that I have. And that makes me feel better. And so I'm just going to pretend. At the time, I was not intentionally trying to manifest. It wasn't something I was really well-versed at at all. What I was simply doing was closing my eyes and pretending because I could do nothing else. It was the only thing that made me feel better. And then of course, you know, now I have this, this land here in this little mountain valley. So it is, you're right. Like our, our mind doesn't know the difference. And so why not give it what you want to experience then? Right. Yep. Yep. I know. I'm always saying things like focus on what you do want. (laughs) And, And I know that it's not easy because I had this thing happen yesterday and I'm still stuck on what happened yesterday. And is that what I do want? No, no, it is not. So I'm still processing it, but I know today I'll push myself to focus on what I do want because that'll be a hell of a lot more productive. Yes. But it's also important to process those feelings, right? Because those will, those feelings will undermine the feelings that create more of what we do want. So I have tough days too. And where it's like, I, I get super frustrated or down and it's like, Yes, I can tell myself, you know, feel positive, but that rarely works when you're in that place, right? Oh, I know. There are tools and things to help shift it, right? If I can call up on a memory of something that really made me smile and that can shift it just a little bit, right? And sometimes that's all I need to get started. But sometimes it's also important just to process the negative feelings because as you well know, like emotions in the body that's energy and it gets stuck in the body and Mm -hmm. can create lots of problems if we don't move it out it's just going to stay there right so there's two parts to this it's like addressing what's going on processing that moving it out and then moving to how you would prefer to feel rather than trying to just put you know make yourself feel positive that doesn't work no (laughs) it'd be not (laughs) fun either (laughs) no No, you can't deny your feelings but it does hurt to do the work to shift them exactly yeah so now you have a couple of freebies for the listeners Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you can go to justforlistening.com and there i give you a pdf overview of the seven minute shift as well as an audio guide that goes with it me walking you through it You can also go to happinesscalendar.com and this is new. This is a happy and successful calendar, 30 days of daily activities to get you on the path to happy and successful. And each one is with the exception of a few at the very end of the 30 days, each one is literally three to five minutes. It doesn't take long at all. So there you go. Nothing like a quick dose of happiness. (laughs) Right? We all need it. At least we need to know where to reach for, right? We need need it. Where do we get it? (laughs) That's right. Which shelf is it on? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Are there any words of wisdom or anything that you haven't said that you'd like to end with and share with the listeners today? I think I would just like to reiterate that. And this comes from not only professional experience, but very deeply personal experiences making elevating your state of mind your primary focus like I say your one and only job and everything else really does follow picking up on something you had just said isn't it wonderful that we got to spend this time together today it is it's so incredibly wonderful like I enjoy having conversations with incredible people so thank you for having me oh well likewise thank you Michelle 
Thank you for listening today. If you're curious about intuitive coaching or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it or write a review and subscribe to never miss an episode and share the magic with a friend. This is Ronnie and Ryan wishing you love and magic. Thank you.